Hello, it's Anthony Chadwick from the Webinar Vet, welcoming you to another episode of Vet Chat, the number one UK veterinary podcast. And I'm thrilled today to have Sergio Silvetti, who's come on the webinar today. Sergio is is has gained uh, fame through a, a famous tortoise that we're going to be talking about in a little bit, but uh, also Sergio works at Rutland House in St. Helens, a practice that I worked in in the mid-90s and just wanted to have a call out for John Tandy, who sadly passed away uh, recently and, of course, founded Rutland House. It was one of the first veterinary hospitals in the country. So let's have this podcast in in memory and in honour of John Tandy, who did so much for the profession. So, Sergio, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about your background as a vet, uh, and, and then we'll move on to to some other uh, issues and topics. Okay, I mean, hi everybody. Um, it's a pleasure for me to um, to be here, and uh, thank you um, for inviting me. Um, a little bit of background for me: um, I graduated in 1999 from Milan. I wander around uh, part of North Italy for uh, 10 years and then I decided to move here in the UK. Um, and since I moved here, um, I mostly, if not only, worked in first opinion and referral exotic practices. And I gained my uh, certificate in advanced uh, veterinary practice in ZooMed in tw- um, 2016. And since then, I always enjoyed and I still enjoying working with all the weird creatures, big and small, that can uh, pass through my console, console room. This is a, bit, is a bit it, a bit boring, but this is it. Oh, no, it's not boring at all, Sergio. <laughs> and I think, you know, exotic medicine is a real challenge. It, it requires sometimes for people to think, outside the box but actually also inside the box because when it's all said and done the the approach to a dog with pneumonia you know isn't that different to a a rabbit with pneumonia or a reptile with respiratory issues is it it is exactly this is exactly that um is is applying basic uh, basic skills uh, learned at the uni to different different animals different species of course you have to get a little bit of anatomic uh, differences, anatomic knowledge. But at the end, um, when I approach my patients, no matter what they are, from a rabbit to a um, giant African snail, is always the same. I start from the head, I end up uh, to the tail, at the tail when they have it. But um, my reasoning skills and my reasoning uh, approach is exactly the same as if it was a dog or a cat. So that is what I always stress to students that come over um, to learn and uh, the referring vet uh, will um, refer cases to, to us. And you can learn so much from a history as well. I often found with my dermatology consults that the advantage I had was I could spend a lot of time with the client as opposed to perhaps a first opinion vet could. And sometimes just those questions would actually tease out so much information that you felt by the end of the history 
that you almost had a diagnosis before you even started the physical exam, didn't you? True, yeah. And above all, in uh, in reptiles, uh, where um, most of the uh, of the conditions are husbandry related, yeah. um, I spent most of the um, initial consultation chatting with the owners and trying to um, get as many information as possible before even touching uh, my patient. So. It is true, um, and, and spending a little bit more, more of time investigating uh, like a, a CSI detective um, most of the times helps, yeah. And I think you made a really good point about the husbandry. If you get the husbandry right with rabbits, with guinea pigs, with reptiles, with birds, then the likelihood is that there's going to be a lot more health. So it's really preventative medicine, you know, in the same mm-hmm. way that vaccinated dog against distemper in, yeah. in reptiles and, and uh, some other exotics you know getting that husbandry right will prevent a lot of problems so education is so important with keeping exotic pets because often the the client isn't really aware of the the, the needs of that particular species are they you you know the the major problem are the information that you find um, around. Yes. Uh, because I still get, the latest one yesterday, still get people coming over uh, after being asked on the um, Facebook forum, definite uh, specialistic forums, then the pet shop, and then they arrived to us. Um, and the, the amount of wrong information that you can still get online it is incredible. I still cannot believe that at the moment, the most common misunderstanding in husbandry is feeding rabbits with wrong food. Yeah. Recommended by specialistic pet shops is still unbelievable how much misinformation and misunderstanding uh, is around um, about the basic and easy management of these these pets is incredible and that what frustrates me a lot because if you fix that probably we won't work that much but (laughs) the health of of the pets will increase significantly yeah it's a really good point Sergio and we've been very fortunate to do quite a lot of work a lot of work with John Chitty and uh, Birds Mm -hmm. Pet Foods and obviously uh you know, some of the information that we've we've heard from there is is well worth listening to. So for those people listening, uh, you know, as vets and nurses who want to learn a bit more, I would advise go onto the website and look at some of the information about nutrition for, you know, rabbits, guinea pigs, uh, dagoos, you know, all sorts of, of the, the small fairies as we as we often call them. Yeah. Um I, I suppose in a sense Eddie is a really interesting story, and I'm, perhaps if you tell us a, a little bit about the story, but we've got this super famous uh, tortoise that lives in St. Helens or, or, or wherever, and he's become a bit of a media phenomenon, hasn't he? He has, yes. Um, I mean, um, a little bit of st- history of, of Eddie. Um, Eddie was brought to me um, after being what I strongly suspect been um, beaten and chewed, literally chewed uh, to the bones by rats. 
And so the first approach on the front legs, sorry. Yes. Um, the, fir- the first approach was to try to save those legs. So we tried with local treatments and systemic antibiotics, of course, analgesia and so on and so on. But unfortunately, after a few weeks, uh, the damage was too extensive and um, there was a necrosis of uh, the forearms from the elbow joint to uh, to the to the toes so uh, the partic- peculiarity of the of this case is that both of the front legs uh, have been um, severe, severely damaged and we had to take the decision that it was either to humanely euthanize or amputate those uh, those necrotic limbs and um, apply some sort of support uh, of the uh, on the shelf on the shell hmm. that I decided to use a, a monster truck uh, wheels to allow him to continue to live outside in the garden without any major problems. And so we did uh, uh, the surgery went absolutely fine. Um, Eddie recovered incredibly quickly and literally he started wheeling away uh, an hour after after the recovery and he started eating as well straight away after 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 the anesthetic so um everything looked absolutely fine and he's still looking fine now i should see him for the final post-operative check i guess if not this week or uh, probably the next one mm. um but up to now um everything look fine looks fine he's happy the um he's eating and he's doing incredibly well he's mobile he's able to um, run around the garden run around uh, his house and um he's doing he's doing very well i'm really really happy with him and i think we were talking before about the fact that you know obviously a lot of people in the summertime keep their their tortoises out during the day, but obviously bring them in over the evening. But he disappeared and he ended up staying out on what was a cold and wet night. And in those sort of situations, because they're they're cold blooded animals, they they actually go in almost into a bit of a sense of torpor, don't they? Uh, yes, uh, being ectothermic, um, their metabolism is related to uh, to the external temperature, and when it drops too much. For example, that uh, I don't remember specifically what night it was, but I remember that it was a quite a um, cold and uh, and rainy uh, night. They simply are unable to to move because the metabolism is too low, mm. and rats and or rodents or wild animals take take advantage. I say I blame in inverted commas rats because uh, those aggressions, those traumas are or were very common um, in Italy, where I worked for many years um, during the hibernation period. Hmm. So is an assumption. I cannot blame them 100%, but is a, let's call it, informed assumption. So when they are too cold, when they are mm, below a certain uh, temperature, they simply cannot react uh, and and rodents and rats take advantage 
And this was over a quite a short period because I think he was found the next morning. Next morning, yeah. Already with the injuries. But you made a really important point, uh, you know, for vets and perhaps if, if clients are listening as well, if pet owners are listening, we often put our tortoises in sheds when they're hibernating for the winter in a box. But as as we all know, you know, head, um, rodents, mice and, and rats will nibble very easily through cardboard, won't they, and then get in. Uh, and obviously start attacking the actual tortoise that's in hiding yeah. and inside. Yeah, correct. Um, the um, Unfortunately, that is the, in inverted commas, the traditional way to hibernate tortoises, but unfortunately it's not the best um, mm. because what you just mentioned, but above all because nowadays the winters are not that cold anymore. So here in the UK, the temperature drops to a limit where it will stop uh, the stop, will slow down the metabolism of, of reptiles, but not enough for a full hibernation. Yeah. And that can cause what is called a post hibernation anorexia when and if they wake up. So the recommended ways to hibernate uh, Chelonians is not the shed anymore, but is the fridge. Okay. Yeah. That is much safer. You can control the pet much easier and it is more controlled. And technically it will reproduce what happens in the wild where the temperature drops on a specific limit, a uh, specific level, sorry, to allow them to get a proper and natural hibernation and then recover easily and nicely uh, when it's time to, uh, to, to wake up. And I suppose in um, southern Europe, where tortoises live, do they often uh, dig and bury themselves yeah. in the hibernation? So they're underneath the soil then, aren't they, in, in natural situations? Yeah, correct. Uh, and that is when they find their sweet spot uh, of temperature and, and, and conditions. Here in the UK, I found two main problems. One is the temperature. And second, and less evident, let's put it in this way, is the humidity. Here, the humidity level is so high that even if they bury them in the garden, there is a high risk of um, fungal or bacterial infection because the softening of the keratin layer of the shell. So it's not recommended to just leave them by themselves and doing whatever they, their instinct tell, tells to do. No, it's interesting, but I mean, going back to to Eddie, you obviously put the um, you put the the wheels on. Was that front and back, or just on the front? Just on the front. The front. Uh, I needed something to balance uh, the the body because otherwise the the shell um, would be um, will graze on the, on the floor. It will struggle to to move because the yes. the grip of the uh, of the of the shell on the floor. It would be not not possible for a normal normal life. Um, I have to say that I applied wheels, and I'm not the only one who does that on previous tortoises. But most of the times, it was just one leg uh, for traumas, etc., yeah. etc., infection, and, and so on. So once we amputate one leg, we apply either a wheel or a smooth 
thing, okay, um, to allow them to slide, but also to balance uh, balance right. the body as leveled as possible. I think there is an advert for one of the famous, for one of the infamous or famous, however you want to call it, train uh, companies where where the tortoise is careering down the slopes with its with its four wheels on. And of course, it was probably a rather stupid question. So I apologize, Sergio, because with, with four wheels, there wouldn't be much of a break for the poor old tortoise if it no. on a hill, would it? Well, four wheels, I assume that he's not able to move. So, <laughs> But but Eddie, uh, as we said, appeared on BBC News Granada reports and yeah. even possibly, we think, went international as well, didn't he? The owner told me that she, she's been contacted by Fox News in US, yes. That, I think, is the, now the power of the internet and things because it's not just yeah. television. It goes on the internet. It goes on to YouTube. Exactly. It goes on to social media, and it very quickly uh, becomes global. A bit like Webinar Vet, once we, once we digitalized our education, took it just away from being physical to making it online, we've, we've been able to have people from all over the world listen yeah. to our education, which is, which is great because obviously the standard is high in the UK and it, it's great that people where perhaps the standard isn't so high can actually also learn and things and, and democratise learning as well. <laughs> right, yeah. That is a nice, interesting terminology. <laughs> yeah. Democratise. <laughs> so how do you, when you're you know looking at exotics, have you got a particular favourite uh, species or, or group of um, exotics that you particularly like or, or do you find that you like? It's, it's always a difficult question. People say, do you prefer dogs to cats? Yeah. Um, or question. I tend to I tend to avoid it, but I'm I'm asking you anyway. Okay. I mean, um I have to say that um yes, um you're not the first one who asks me asks me these uh, these type of question. Um I normally put um reptiles um and reptiles as first. Avian recently I'm getting more and more interested, but uh, the bulk of our our work is made on uh, small mammals, mostly rabbits. Yeah. Uh, plus, I enjoyed and I still enjoy, if I could, um, work with um, with zoo animals. Um, there are always fascinating. Uh, there are species that are not you are not you don't see every day and you don't hear every day, and. Um, my, the the weirdest one I worked with that was a marabou, uh, and that was the ugliest bird ever, but at the same time beautiful. Okay, yeah. Uh, so that was the fascinating um, thing on working with zoo. No matter what what you know, you had to adapt uh, to all the different species in in the world. I suppose a final question that we're, we're doing this recording in early September and um, we'll start moving into those other creatures, those wild creatures that hibernate like hedgehogs. Is that something you see a lot of at Rutland Town, people bringing in hedgehogs? Well, wild hedgehogs, yes, unfortunately, yes. Everybody, um, everyone around here sees a hedgehog that on his own and just take it and bring it to us, even if sometimes it's not really needed. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, wild animals are not my um, my main interest, let's put it in this way. Um, yeah. We see African hedgehogs. Um, so 
yes, we see hedgehogs, but wild ones, um, unfortunately, most of the times are, we see them because people think that they are sick, uh, but they actually are not. So Yeah, and I think you make a really good point. It's the same with wild birds. Sometimes yeah. people are bringing them in, and of course, it takes them away from their natural environment where maybe family is. Exactly. And then taking them somewhere else. And actually, that can be really difficult. So it's always best if you do bring in a hedgehog and it stays in the vet for a day or two, that it does go back to its place where there it is. Yeah. We yeah. tend to do that, yes. We still tend to do that. And um, any any sort of plans for the future with where do you see perhaps exotic medicine going? Do you think it's a, an area that is going to become more popular and and what's the big challenges, you know, around education? How can we get better at educating clients so they look after their exotic pets better? Okay, um, let's start from the last one. Um, educating clients, um, it would be, in my opinion, it would be extremely useful to um, to arrange meetings with people, explaining them what they are getting into um i don't know make a evening in basic reptiles husbandry or basic avian husbandry or even basic rabbit husbandry and nutrition and so on and so on the problem is that uh the people who will follow those things are people who has already uh the animals those things should be before uh, these things should be known before getting uh, getting a pet um regarding what um where i see exotic and what i've seen from my beginning to now the the growth was and i think that is still quite exponential okay um my the main problem is probably now as a bit of a pessimistic way uh, views but we are getting loads of vets that are interested in exotics and or they can get um postgraduate um certificate and so on and so on so the risk is that there will be too many exotic vets reducing the actual amount of uh, of exotic cases let's put in this way yeah. because instead of concentrating the, the those cases in few places they would be scattered all over all over the country so from one point of view is a good good thing because more people will get more interested more knowledgeable more people more chats more chat more knowledge but at the same time there is a risk i don't know how far-fetched is this view, but there is a risk of parcelating or reducing the amount of of cases and uh, actual work, uh, and it's what I've mm -hmm. seen in Italy before before moving here. You then have less experience because you're seeing fewer cases in that particular exactly. area. Yeah. And I think also sometimes people, um, you know, have children who want a pet, and they actually say, well, we'll get you a lizard or we'll get you a rabbit. And in a lot of ways, the, the husbandry of that creature is is much more challenging than, for example, having a cat, isn't it? 
Um, yes and no. Um, the the challenge is just, in my opinion, it's just the beginning. Okay, um, yeah. because once you, if I have to recommend a reptile reptile pet, I would recommend a snake. Yeah. Um, easy, um, very good looking. There are snakes that are amazing. Most of them are really tame. Yes. The only the main problem is setting up the the right tank but once the tank is up and running um literally more or less every reptile is is easy to to keep yeah um the, the main problem is setting up investing uh, a little bit of time and a little bit of money because you have to invest in lights and tank and heaters and substrate so and heat and sun and sun um and that is probably what put off a little bit the people at the beginning um and still the information that people even if they are really willing but completely unaware of uh, the type of animals they get they get information from people who claims to be to be expert but the expertise of those people probably if it is any is way outdated um nowadays Newer informations are coming out every month, technically, but the information I see and I get from clients who get uh, who had a, a bought a new new pet lizard, um, and they come and say, "Oh, I heard they told me to do such and such," um, is completely wrong, um, yeah. and I don't understand why. And that is where the education pre. Uh, pre-purchase would would make the difference hmm. and almost uh, education through the vet because the vet is probably get, well hopefully going to know more than hopefully yeah <laughs> an enthusiast yeah um Sergio that's really great it's really interesting to get some of your insights great to hear about Eddie I'm so pleased that he's doing <laughs> better as well and uh yeah looking forward hopefully uh, seeing you at some point in in the northwest, we're we're both quite close, so it'd be great to see you at some point. Come along, and we'll uh, we will get a beer on my local pub here. That sounds More great, <laughs> Sergio. Take care. Thanks again, and uh, thanks everyone for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. Bye.